This episode of The Energy Pipeline is sponsored by Caterpillar Oil & Gas. Since the 1930s, Caterpillar has manufactured engines for drilling, production, well service, and gas compression. With more than 2,100 dealer locations worldwide, Caterpillar offers customers a dedicated support team to assist with their premier power solutions. The Energy Pipeline is your lifeline to all things oil and gas to drill down deep into the issues impacting our industry. From the frac site to the future of sustainability, hear more about industry issues, tools, and resources to streamline and modernize the future of oil and gas. Welcome to the Energy Pipeline. All right, welcome to the Energy Pipeline with Jordan Driscoll filling in for Jordan Yates. In this episode, recorded at Adipak, the oil and gas show in Abu Dhabi, we're going to sit down with Connor Doherty, seasoned professional with a diverse experience in equipment maintenance. We'll explore the critical role of proper equipment maintenance in various environments, touching on best practices, challenges, and how it impacts sustainability. Uh, all right, so with us here, we've got Connor Doherty, uh, product manager at SPM Oil and Gas. You've had a fascinating journey through engineering to business. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background, your current role as product manager at SPM Oil & Gas? Yeah, definitely. So first and foremost, thank you very much for, for having me on the podcast today and then giving me the chance to talk about something I'm pretty passionate about. So thank you. Um, so yeah, kind of starting from kind of near the beginning anyway, um, I did uh, an engineering degree at okay. University in Glasgow. Um, from there, I, I joined a, a local and quite big Glaswegian company called The Wear Group. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined them as part of their graduate development program. It's quite an interesting program where basically over two years, you get the opportunity to travel around into sort of different businesses, different groups okay. um, and different roles and get to experience a bit of, of kind of everything that constitutes a, an engineering and manufacturing business. So I got to kind of touch a lot of different areas and as part of that they kind of encourage you to do an international placement okay which is uh, how i found myself uh, up in fort worth in texas oh there you go with spm so um kind of after after six months in um in texas with spm the original plan was to come back and i was very very lucky i got the opportunity to to stay and what originally kind of started out as one year is kind of fast transformed into six years Oh, well, you, and, um, you're just there now. You've dropped anchor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically a Texan. <laughs> um, so I originally went out kind of working um, as part of the as part of the, uh, the R&D team, mm-hmm. um, which was a kind of a great sort of entry into sort of the oil and gas industry kind of fully where I was sort of responsible for evaluating new and emerging technologies within, okay. the, within the, the oil and gas sphere and specifically within fracking or hydraulic fracturing. Right. Yeah, and after sort of some time in, in R&D, I, was, um, I kind of moved into the pump engineering team where I sort of took responsibility of our aftermarket products. Mm-hmm. And I did about three years there sort of designing and developing new products and new technologies in the aftermarket space. Okay. Um, and after some success there and kind of releasing a few kind of products under our EdgeX and um, Valve and Seat product line um, and kind of getting a really good diverse experience in regard to kind of design, serviceability, maintenance, a lot of time in the field, um, I moved into product management and kind of in product management now, I'm responsible for our aftermarket components as well as our fluid end components. And when I try and describe kind of what my role is today, I've kind of given it a lot of thought and 
because it constitutes a lot of things, which is really, really fun and really diverse. But Absolutely. I mean, it is a broad portfolio, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And kind of condensing that down into what I'm sort of responsible for day to day. Right. Um, I kind of like to summarize it as um, responsible for making the products today successful and then strategizing for what our products tomorrow are going to be. So kind of, right. yeah, that's kind of my, my sort of tagline for it. But <laughs> yeah, it really kind of means that, you know, today is making sure that our products are answering the customer needs today. And we're sort of planning and preparing and putting all the projects in place that means the products we're releasing kind of later down the line are not only kind of building upon the solutions we're providing, but better answering their problems, better supporting their goals. And, and also as well, making sure that we're positioned to solve the problems that are going to develop and are going to come about and, and making sure that we're kind of the best suited to provide the solutions to make our customers successful. Well, that's awesome. All right. So we got some we got some questions here we're going to go through. Uh, so, of course, <clears throat> excuse me. So equipment maintenance obviously plays a pitiful, pivotal role in various industries. Can you share some of your uh, universal best practices for maintaining equipment across different environments from oil fields to manufacturing, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I can. And kind of this is a, a sort of a really interesting area, especially when you try and start to think about best practices, mm -hmm. especially in something as diverse as the oil field and then also as diverse as manufacturing. Right. Because I think anyone that spent time in either will tell you, you know, there's no two days alike, right? So Correct. So things are constantly <laughs> cropping up, you know, um, there's always unique challenges. So trying to kind of summarize that into best practices is um, is always challenging. But from my experience, people that do it kind of the ones that are really kind of successful when it comes to maintenance. So in terms of best practices, I think there's a few things there. I think first and foremost is kind of making sure that everything's kind of proceduralized, right? So, right. And by that, I mean sort of there's the standard ways of operating, the standard ways of doing things, the standard processes that you follow. And why I think that's so, com so important is because, as I said, you know, when it is so diverse and you're constantly challenging new things, having sort of a a standard sort of practice that you can Absolutely. fall back on is is kind of critical, right? To making yeah. sure that you're you're making the right decisions, you're being safe, you're kind of supporting other people, and at the end of the goal, and then the day as well as you're making sure that you're you're kind of doing the right things to make you know your operations successful as well. So I think that's one. And then from another thing for best practice, it's something that that we champion a lot, and that's making sure that you know everyone has a good understanding of the equipment, there's proper training in place and there's a proper tooling provided. And that kind of sounds a wee bit obvious, mm. but um, yeah, I think kind of making sure as a best practice, the people you have working and doing the maintenance right. in both spaces, understand the product, they understand what they should be doing and they're given all the tools and, and the process to, to do that. And as I said, both of them sound obvious coming kind of when you hear but, you say that. I mean, we've that. both seen so many organizations where it sounds obvious and then they're not doing it. Sure. You sure. know? And I think that's kind of those two things, I think, in terms of best practices. I think if you focus there and you really look to kind of be the best that you can be in those two areas, I think you can't go wrong and you're setting yourself up for success. That's awesome. All right. Very good. I mean, I can't disagree with you on that. Those, those fundamentals are how you make any organization successful. It's not the super high concept stuff. I mean, it is, you do the basic stuff really, really well, everything else is successful. Completely agree. 
All right. So, um, so different environments bring different types of challenges, obviously. What are some of the uh, unique maintenance challenges you've encountered on your roles, and how did you, how'd you tackle them? Yeah, so I think when I think of maintenance, and I've got two sort of unique examples here that I yeah. kind of wanted to talk you through today. One of them is kind of looking at how we can help remove maintenance mm -hmm. as best possible, or if not completely remove, space it out further or allow it to happen in more controlled environments. And then the other one is kind of the, the training and support aspect that I touched on yep, right. kind of a, a few seconds ago. So from the idea of, of maintenance, the best type of maintenance is the maintenance you don't have to do. <laughs> so that is that I, I wish they had that for my car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Me too, right? Um, so I think we kind of took that and we looked and I think one of the unique experiences I have is when especially being responsible for aftermarket components, which they're maintained every single day on every frack site, no matter where you right. go. Um, we kind of looked at them and said, okay, how do we either remove that maintenance, which is the ideal scenario. And in some cases, can, considering the conditions we deal with, probably a wee bit unre unrealistic. <laughs> right. But how do we space it out? Or how do we put it to a point in their operations that a safer, more controlled, right. left, less high pressure, less high pace. And, and we did that with kind of our EdgeX carbide seat. So, and we kind of tackled that to say, look, it's one of the ones that I changed, a standard seat in operation today, I changed the most frequently and they're kind of one of the most difficult to change. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of a, a bit of a two birds, one stone scenario. Okay. So we basically looked to implement technology that allowed us to kind of take that maintenance off site or if it had to happen on site, it was happening every month rather than every week. Okay. And then the other thing that I think kind of we looked at was kind of touching back on that sort of whole training and understanding perspective. In my role, as I said, we're responsible for making sure that the products today are successful. Right. And that's all about performance. That's all about kind of price. That's all about availability, but serviceability is so key and if you make life easy for the guys on site or right. or wherever they're using your product i mean you've already got sort of an army of people there that are a champion for you right if the end user is happy then it basically sells itself at that point exactly right so we kind of focused on what we call kind of spm edge mm -hmm. which is basically us saying look here's a library of material here's a team of people and whatever you need us or whatever you need the material we'll be there to help make sure that your practices are, practices are proper, they're standard, they're safe, they're in line with what we recommend and, and kind of really being your right-hand man right. in the field, helping, because as I said, maintenance is inevitable, unfortunately, um, but how we do it better and how we do it safer is kind of critical and, and we really kind of, and that was one of the big unique challenges for us is we can design all these amazing products, but right. if they're not being used and looked after properly, then, then you know your customers never going to realize the success that you've you've hoped they'll get from it. So, being kind of there, as I said, either virtually or in person, I think is kind of where we provide a pretty unique solution to a pretty common problem. Yeah, that's outstanding. I mean that that's the value proposition you want to hear right there. That's fantastic. Um, all right. So, uh, next question sort of piggybacks into that with the advancements in technology predictive maintenance has gained traction. How is data technology, how is all that stuff changing the game in equipment maintenance? And do you have any real world examples? Yeah, definitely. So I think 
predictive maintenance is the next kind of game changer from so many different sides. Um, I think kind of today where I've just talked about kind of training and procedure and understanding so important, I think predictive maintenance is going to sort of help lift some of the burden there. Right. Where we're kind of relying on people in a high pressure kind of challenging environment to make very important decisions <laughs> that have an impact on your bottom line. Um, yeah, I, I think we need to do some maintenance on this right now as opposed to... I know we do, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I think that's where... I think predictive maintenance is going to have a huge impact. It's going to lift a lot of that burden. Um, and I think it's going to change the game for everyone. And I think it's going to change the game for kind of the full kind of supply chain or value stream. What I mean by that is a lot of times when we talk and we think about predictive maintenance, we think about that guy who's at the front line making the decision. And of course, that's critical. And the benefits the operator will get, being able to plan and schedule and, and forecast in regards to maintenance will be huge. But I think it's also going to have a lot of kind of impacts sort of further back down the supply chain. As a, an, a, you know, an original equipment manufacturer, an OEM, considering predictive maintenance is mm -hmm. going to have a big impact on our thought process when it comes to products. It comes to products, comes to services, comes to support, comes to how we kind of engage with our customers. So it's going to be quite interesting kind of throughout that whole chain. Right, yeah. I mean, that's that's completely down the, the supply chain, effectively, uh, if you yeah. can nail down the science behind it. Yeah, exactly. And we all need to be cognizant of it. We all need to be ready for it. Um, and I think where kind of one aspect of that from the data side of things is I think as part of that sort of value chain, we've got a couple of people within there that are quite mature when it comes to data collection. Right. And then I think we're going to take a, you know, I think it's fast coming and I'll talk about how SBM and how Caterpillar is making sure we're part of that mature part of the supply chain, kind of making sure we've got access to the data. And then on top of that, it's going to be about how we use that data to be predictive. And um, one of the things that we provide with our kind of pump products, one of the things we're very proud of, done a lot of work and continue to do a lot of work is what we call our PIMS system. Okay. So basically our PIM system is critical to our kind of cattle and gas services contracts and is becoming ever more critical kind of from a day-to-day -day perspective for, as I said, the rest of that supply chain being us, where we've got equipment that goes out with our products that collects data, visualizes data, analyzes data. And then where I think is going to be very, very important for us and where I think we can make a big difference and where I think just that kind of whole technology and data is going to be key is matching product expertise, operational right. expertise, application expertise with the data to help kind of fuel that predictive maintenance. So I think there's a long way to go. I think there's going to be a lot of collaboration between that full value chain to make it kind of the, make it as impactful as we all kind of predict and think it can be. Um, but I think for us with PEMS, we're trying to set ourselves up to be a key member when it comes to kind of ensuring that data and technology is um, making predictive maintenance real and kind of right, right, right there on the sort of the the cutting edge, the bleeding edge, if you will. Yeah, definitely, and it's going to be huge, and I just can't wait until we get there. <laughs> I mean. Again, I'm still waiting on my car to not need maintenance. So the <laughs> yeah. sooner you can sort that out and it trickle it down to the automotive, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so our health and safety question. Safety is obviously paramount, especially with the high-risk industries such as oil and gas. 
Um, how does prioritizing maintenance also enhance the safety for workers and in the environment? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think every company that or every person that listens to this podcast would fully agree that no matter where you go, safety is number one. Um, and I think kind of that's, as I said, that's the case everywhere. So kind of making sure that everything flows from that kind of priority statement that, you know, uh, that safety is, is key, kind of really filters into the stuff you do day to day. And, and the oil field is kind of one of the most challenging environments you can find. Sure is, sure is. So uh, making sure safety is, one, prioritize is key, and then two, kind of how you plan for that is key. But I think, as I said, there's probably kind of three levels of kind of how we can use maintenance to make kind of safety better and then kind of as you said from an environmental standpoint as well kind of safety and that alongside maintenance comes uh kind of goes hand in hand a wee bit but the first is what we've talked about is the best type of maintenance is no maintenance right my favorite i think everyone's <laughs> got a wee bit of work to do till we get there so you know we'll put that number one but number two is like that idea that you know if you have to do maintenance then you know when it's going to be it's in a kind of safe controlled environment you can control when it's going to happen touching on a wee bit about your predictive um, maintenance but also right. allowing us to kind of provide products that put the maintenance not from either a performance or a reliability standpoint not in the worst time but in the best time so for us within the fracking industry maybe it's you know your product lasts a full frack job and you can plan your maintenance in a kind of controlled and, and kind of more calm right. environment either when that's moving jobs or back on back on um, your kind of site and then thirdly is that kind of idea of making sure that everyone who's doing maintenance is doing it as safely as possible with tools that are as safe as possible with and that goes back to what you said giving the tools giving the training having the procedures right exactly yeah and kind of making sure all of those line up with products that are easy to work with that are reliable that do what you want them to do um, I think all kind of contributes to making sure that the oil field and manufacturing is, is kind of as, as safe um, for our people and then obviously for kind of the environment and, and the processes as well. Fair enough. All right. So let's see what we got here. Uh, so remote areas. So in remote areas or extreme environments, which we've already established through oil field, yep. oftentimes both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maintenance can be particularly challenging. What are some of the strategies that you recommend uh, for effectively maintaining equipment in those kind of situations? Anything above and beyond what we've already kind of talked about? Yeah, I think when I think about kind of remote maintenance and and I, I say this from some experience as well, it's all about being prepared. Right. So um, if you're not prepared and you've got something to do, either that's standard or unique, you're and you're remote, right. you're in you're in a big, big problem. And unfortunately, and in some cases, rightly, I mean, you're out in these remote locations because it makes sense to be out there. The work is worthwhile doing and it has a, a positive benefit to kind of the people running that job. So stuff has to get done. Right. Now, as we've established, it needs to get done safely. Sure does. And if you're not prepared for the maintenance you can have to do, as I said, either standard or, or unique, then you find yourself in some positions where there's influences to make poorer choices than you should. So I think kind of to be remote, you have to be prepared. Um, 
and that comes as we kind of talked about from people from tools from equipment from from product from support and those other all those sorts of things so if you're going to be successful remotely you have to be prepared to be remote and um i think that's where you get a real difference between people that execute well and and maybe have some some challenges yeah absolutely i mean you still live in the fort worth area right yep so i live in abilene so it's right okay. up so i think as far as you and i are both concerned Weatherford is a remote location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I've always been amazed coming to Texas. I thought, you know, an hour drive in Scotland was long. I mean, an hour drives for the milk in the morning. I know. Texas, right? I'm <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so we got, let's see what we got here. Um, so next thing we're going to talk about is uh, bottom line. How does proper equipment maintenance impact the total cost of ownership and the longevity of assets? Yeah, so... As I kind of mentioned before, I mean, for our customers to get all the benefit of the kind of effort that we're designing into our products, we're manufacturing into our products, that only makes sense if you maintain your equipment well. 100%. Um, it's kind of like our car we've talked about, right? Right. I mean, if yeah. you don't look after your car, it's not going to last as long as it could, you know? And no one loves an overstretched metaphor more than I do. <laughs> yeah. I'm here with you to stretch you as long as you need to go. Um, but yeah, and I think one of the big challenges about proper maintenance is maintenance is such a kind of direct correlation and kind of product maintenance, the time, the parts associated, it's so directly correlated to kind of the bottom line for operators. And as we've talked about, you know, kind of the amount of time we take, the amount of products, it's so tangible to see, well, we spent X amount of time or X percent on maintenance last month. If we were to reduce that by x it means y now that's so tangible right however proper maintenance and the time associated with it is sort of a bit of a, a kind of lagging indicator where if you do all the things right today you're not really sure how much you saved because you did it now yeah exactly the end of the month report from something you did a week ago saving time you can see doing it properly you might not see next week but the benefits you'll see kind of further down the line right. way over and above stretch kind of just saving an extra 30 minutes or save an extra five minutes or whatever it is by kind of cutting corners when it comes to your maintenance and that's where i think looking at that not just oh it lasted this long and it cost me this month and it much and i spent that amount of time on it it's kind of really understanding that okay if i look after this properly not just will I get the performance that I'm looking for and that the product can achieve. Mm -hmm. Also, I think what's quite critical is the reliability side of that as well. So yeah, you'll get more performance, but you'll get more performance consistently. And I think that's one thing we always kind of work to, to help support is that if you don't maintain it properly, yeah, there's going to be opportunities for more sporadic performance from equipment. Um, so yeah, doing it right now, yeah, you might not see it tomorrow, but you know, a month down the line or later, it's going to have huge benefits. Big, for bigger impact and for longer. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, could, and, you know, sustainably as well, right? If you just yeah, kind of 100%. look at it. So I think that's kind of the big one for me when it comes to total cost of ownership is, yeah, there is some upfront, but it's so worth it if you do it right. Fair enough. I mean, that's, I have enjoyed talking to you about this because I mean you're clearly passionate about it. you're super knowledgeable thank you uh, you know you're an honorary Texan so we love that <laughs> so here's a question I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on as we look to the future how do you see equipment maintenance evolving 
and what can organizations do to future-proof their maintenance strategies? Yeah, so I see kind of the future of maintenance, as we kind of talked about, I see it being a lot more structured. Mm -hmm. I've seen it being a lot simpler, all going well. Um, and I think there's some things that will come along with that. There'll be some added complexity in different areas, as we've talked about, you know, from the data side of things, from new technology on site that will support that predictability, new technologies that will support the simplicity of products. And I think making sure to future-proof yourself for all the technology that's coming down the line, I think it's making sure that one, you're prioritizing the upskill of the people that are on there, because as much as we talk about the ability for sort of technology and data and those sorts of things, allowing us to be more kind of efficient and more resourceful with kind of either the people or the tools or the products mm -hmm. we use, there is always going to be people out there that are going to be looking after and working with this equipment. So making sure that you kind of upscale and kind of bring people into the kind of front part of the wave, um, I think is kind of the big one that will future-proof because when it comes to technologies and data, I mean, there's so much range for opportunity. There's so much cool stuff that's going to come, but there's always going to be people at the center of that. So I think 100%. upscaling and kind of preparing the people that work with the equipment that do the maintenance that are out there on site making it happen making sure that they're at the front of that um that conversation i think will set everyone up for success absolutely so uh last question here advice to inter industry professionals what advice would you give to professionals in the field looking to enhance their equipment maintenance practices so i've had a lot of thought about this and at one point i was thinking you know what would that kind of give advice? And I was going into all these rabbit holes of kind of unique scenarios and different <laughs> technologies and look at this, look at that and kind of taking a wee step back. I think for me, I think the big thing and the one piece of advice I'd give is just prioritize it. Kind of prioritize it and put it at the center of what you're doing. And, and I think everything else kind of, as we talked about, will kind of flow from there. But if you don't prioritize it and I've seen it, Unfortunately, more often than I'd like, um, it comes back to bite you and it comes back to bite you over and over again. So anyone who prioritizes that puts it at the center of their operations and their strategy and their goals and their KPIs, I think um, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Just prioritize proper maintenance and you'll be in good shape. That's, I, I mean, I, I can fault nothing in that statement. That is 100% correct. Thank you. Connor, thank you so much for joining us today. I deeply appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with us. Like I said, your passion, your knowledge for this, it's infectious. Absolutely fantastic having you here. Thank you so much. Everyone else, thank you for listening. This has been the Energy Pipeline with not Jordan Yates, but Jordan Driscoll subbing in. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you very much. Come back next week for another episode of the Energy Pipeline, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, Go to OGGN.com.